Welcome to the PS Younger Self podcast, where we talk to inspiring entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and creatives on how we can all crush our fears and optimize our lifestyle to live our most fulfilling lives, and always on our own terms. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of PS Younger Self. I'm your host, Chris. And today we are getting into an interesting topic of minimalism. And depending on what resource you're referencing, you might think of it as an art movement, or maybe remember studying it as a certain type of design or architecture. And I'm sure you may also think of it as possibly a certain type of lifestyle that may come with a lot of restrictions. If um, I'm also certain that you might think of or have heard of some of the benefits of minimalism when Marie Kondo came into popularity, introducing her concept of decluttering by only keeping things that spark joy. So today we have an expert on minimalism and to help us better understand what it is, what are some interesting benefits of it, how we can start by incorporating a practice or just some principles into our life. Our guest is a popular YouTuber, blogger, podcaster, and an author who has built her expertise around minimalism and by putting into practice has created her own courses on how to create a holistic, clutter-free haven in our homes that not only look good and feel good. Please meet Mia Daniel. Hi, Mia. Nice to meet you again and be doing this together. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me on. You're very welcome. So let's get into it. I think a great place to start is kind of why I started the introduction on like maybe people not quite understand what minimalism is. So if you can briefly explain from your perspective, from your expertise, like what is it? Is it a movement? Is it a lifestyle? Like how would you describe minimalism? Well, I mean, if you're talking strictly the definition of the word, it does have a lot of different meanings. I mean, before it was a lifestyle, it was definitely used in design and architecture and even music. I think music was the first use of the word minimalism. Uh, But now, you know, we talk about it more as a lifestyle and a lot of people practice it on different ends of the spectrum. And so it can be really personalized. But to me, I see minimalism as an intentional awareness of your belongings, your time and your energy. Mm. So I think it's uh, for me, it's kind of an all encompassing lifestyle and way of living with less and with prioritizing um, that can really be used even in your schedule and you know, throughout your daily life. I like that. That's a very interesting and I think a more kind of holistic way of looking at it as opposed to kind of like pigeonholing it. And you can maybe with that kind of definition concept of it, you can apply minimalism principles maybe in different areas. Like even when you said intentional awareness of even your energy, it was very, very interesting. So then like I think it'd be interesting like if you can kind of touch on, because I really want to get into like the benefits, like why would we want to practice then minimalism, whether it's uh, with your energy source or specific belongings. Um, I first want to start off uh, because PS Younger Self, we like to get into the why. I like understanding the science of things. I think that helps us better implement strategies. So you did a very interesting video around the kind of psychological effects of clutter. And I think that was really powerful and fascinating. And if you can kind of tell us, because I think maybe very, you know, just thinking really quickly, yeah, clutter doesn't look good, but what, what 
like psychological effects are happening with our body or physiology? Like, why does it have this effect on us? Yeah, there have been so many studies, like a lot of research has been put into why we feel the way that we feel when we walk into a chaotic environment and, you know, Mm. why we feel overwhelmed when we're surrounded by clutter. And probably one of the most um, popular studies is a study that was done by UCLA and they studied American families in California. It was in Los Angeles. And they found Mm. that, first of all, 75% of the participants couldn't park their car in their garage because of clutter. But even more importantly, the stress hormones of the moms in particular spiked when they were dealing with their belongings. So, you know, they concluded from that, that, you know, if your stress hormones are spiking when you're dealing with your belongings, well, more and more belongings could lead to more stress. So, you know, stress, cortisol levels, you know, the, um, the tension and the anxiety that we can get whenever it comes to our belongings, I would say is definitely the first thing that a lot of people think of, because that's that kind of knee jerk reaction that you get when you walk into chaos. But there are other things like, um, there was a TED Talk that was done by the author of Hardwiring Happiness, and he talks oh. about how when you're surrounded by stressful situations like clutter regularly, that your brain actually starts to change. Like your the chemistry mm. and the physical makeup of your brain starts to change to more easily accommodate stress. So it's kind mm. of like the mind can change the brain, can change the mind. So when we're exposed to these stressful situations over and over, we become more pre, uh, predisposed to be more sensitive to stress. And that's why you'll see a lot of people who are just constantly, it's like everything is constantly at this peak of stress. It is something that's built into our our brain makeup. Yeah, the wire, the wiring, and I, I just got off of a um, another fascinating conversation about relationships. But she was helping me to explain um, why we have a certain mindset of like trying to compete in relationships. But her explanation dove into how, as humans, we are first kind of wired a certain way to be on a survival. Approach. So like, you know, the fight or flight. And that's so interesting about that, co- that study that you referenced, though, about like, if you're constantly seeing the environment, like more clutter, you're more how to deal with that clutter. Yeah. So the predetermined part was, um, what was his name? I wish I... Ted Harding, I want to say. Anyway, mm-hmm. he's the author of Hardwiring Happiness. And yes, he was he did a study that showed how our brain chemistry and the structure of your brain changes mm-hmm. when you're around constant stressful situations. Yes. So it's more of like any kind of stressful situations. If you're mm-hmm. constantly exposing yourself to that, you're going to become predisposed to automatically respond to things with stress. Yes. Mm-hmm. And because, you know, our brains are malleable, right? Like this, we can, we can rewire our brains actually. So then like, if we can, if we know that that environment is going to make us, you know, predetermined to react a certain way, we also have the capability to rewire our, maybe our environment first. So we won't be in this constant, like fight or flight, you know, high anxiety state of mind, which we don't, I don't think it's like, um, kind of immediate to think we just, you know, blame it on the, on the, uh, clutter, but we actually have control over that. Right. 
Exactly. And, you know, I like that you talked about how as humans, we're kind of predisposed to this fight or flight. It's built into our neural makeup, you know? And so in order to not constantly be living in fight or flight and battling with your environment, which, you know, if you think about it, our homes are our habitats. Every animal has a strong response to their habitat. Uh Some animals can't even live if they're not in, you know, like surrounded by the right things. Um, And so this is, this is our habitat. We are humans and we need to be surrounded by a certain, um, you know, support system. We need to be surrounded by certain things to feel like we're thriving in our daily lives. Mm -hmm. But yeah, with the, with the uh, fight or flight thing, it really, because that is so built into us, it really takes a lot of intention to go against that, you know, mm-hmm. to really curate and create something that's going to allow you to feel peaceful and allow you to not feel like the lion's right around the corner. So you need to be on alert, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's such an operative word. And I, and that's why I really love your description from your perspective, of what, what minimalism really means because intention and that like has so much power that we have to kind of start from the awareness. Like, why do you want to do this? And then I found like your other word of, you know, personal, our habitats, you know, that was a really great analogy, but our, our homes, you know, are very, personal to us, right? Even the way we design it, etc. And so if you understand from your intention of how you want to create your habitat, your home into a haven, as you've also described it in one of your courses, you can pinpoint what is causing that stress um, and how then we can redesign it or restructure it so that we can have a more of a haven. On that note, like. I feel like um, there's a lot of distraction, though, and we are seduced, especially if you live in Western societies. I grew up in the United States, and as a capitalist society, we are often reminded and seduced of consumerism. You need this because it'll bring you more happiness. You need that because it's going to help you look thinner, and that equates to being happier. Whatever it is, buy more stuff. It's going to make you feel better. And I think it's gotten to the point of hyper-consumerism. But if we're getting really right into it, though, and I think so the point of me bringing that up was I feel like it's this constant struggle of like what's what we're being told we need more of. So while we have that in in our environment, like how would you what would you say are some of the key principles and benefits of minimalism so that you don't get distracted of, you know, people telling us we need more stuff or this stuff is going to make you happy. Yeah, I mean, well when you think about the consumer society that we live in and that's not that's not like far out thinking. Like that is literally the structural buildup that we have for our businesses. It's almost like the businesses don't really have a choice. Like if they want to be profitable and make money, then they have to compete in this market, which is where marketing comes from, right? So, I mean, you can't even almost blame the businesses, but that is the system that we live in. It's like more of a system issue. And so, um, but yeah, I mean, in in order to be intentional and really gain the benefits, um, I think that there are there are a lot of things that you should be looking at that are a little bit deeper than just having a clear space, you know, having okay. a decluttered space. I think that personally, like there are tons of of benefits of minimalism. I mean, if you we can get into like finances, the physical benefits, the mental benefits, uh, but really, I think that there are three big core benefits. Okay. Um, 
And so, and that's kind of the first one is what got me into this. Did you want me to just go on and dive yes, into them? Please, not, yeah, let's get into the juicy stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay, awesome. Uh, so for me, I think that the number one big benefit is support. And that's definitely mm. what drew me into this lifestyle when it wasn't even a blip on the radar for me. Um, so like at the time, I was a recent single mom. I had a two-year-old and a four-year-old. We were leaving the state that I had always lived in. So we had a lot of uh, chaos kind of in our environment or in our uh, lifestyle at the time. And um, I was also, you know, kind of struggling with depression and anxiety. So I like to say my energy patterns were kind of like a roller coaster at the time. I never knew when I was going to wake up and have the energy to be productive and to go through all of the things that we tend to take care of and go through every day. And so that's kind of what drew me into this lifestyle initially was that I knew that I needed a space that was going to be supportive to me and my girls when I needed to take downtime, you know, like I needed a space that wasn't going to fall apart whenever I needed to take a break. And I think that for, for a lot of people, it's like we all need to be able to find the time to rest in this busy society where like busyness is rewarded and we're all like the anxiety levels are skyrocketing and stuff. And so having that support inside of your space, something that will allow things to not fall apart, but then also go the extra mile to really provide you with whatever energy you're needing. Like in certain spaces, you might need to feel more inspired and, you know, energized. Mm -hmm. Like maybe in your office space, you want to be motivated and get into your work vibe, right? Uh, But there may be other areas of your space where you want to really pull in more of a relaxing spa type type of energy. So Mm. um, being really intentional about those, your environment can really become a support system. So for me, number one has always been support. Mm-hmm. So then in your story, before you go into point number two and three, because this is really interesting, and I didn't, I actually didn't expect um, your description of what support means um, when you first said support. So then in your home, then is each room in your haven home have a different intention and designed a certain way for whatever that purpose and intention is? whether it's to be inspired, whether it's to be more creative, whether it's supposed to be relaxing. Yeah. I mean, I'm very intentional about every space, even nooks and crannies. Right now you can't see it, but I'm in like a little makeshift office off of my living room. And every little uh, zone, intentional zone has a purpose and it has um, an energetic vibe, I guess you could say, mm-hmm. without sounding too mm-hmm. woo-woo. I mean, it, it has uh, potential to give me certain types of energy and moods that I want to cultivate in that space. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So then just one last thing on that so that you can really drill it in. Um, I think people understand what intention means, like what is your intention? But if we're really getting nitty gritty to help people kind of start, like intention here is like what you want to use that room for, what is what is your purpose of that room? Like how how else can you help people like really kind of zone it zone it in to understand like what that what my intention is? There are a lot of different things that you could consider in that space. So uh, for example, um, 
how do you want to communicate? Like, are you somebody who wants to have people over all the time? Are you wanting to be mm-hmm. a host or is it more of like a seclusive, just you, you and your partner type of thing? So you can talk about like the people and the relationships that you're wanting to cultivate and how that would play out in your space. Um, you know, you can look at things like the functionality, obviously, you know, the things that mm-hmm. you're actually going to be physically doing every day and mm-hmm. making sure that the things that are actually being used are more readily available front and center and that the things that aren't being used, first of all, or question like whether or not they need to be there, but then not everything needs to be front and center. That's when we start mm-hmm. getting distracted, right? Um, movement is another big thing. Like for mm-hmm. me, I need to have space just to do things uh. like yoga and stretching and, you know, like having a physical flow inside of your space. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of different aspects. And, you know, I think that enjoyment and pleasure should always be something that you consider. What are the things that you enjoy doing? Because not everything needs to be purely functional, Mm-hmm. Got it. Okay. Thank you for that. All right. So then point or big benefit number two. Number two is freedom. And this is the one I think that most people think of whenever they start looking to declutter. I just want to get the clutter out. You know, minimalism sounds so nice because there's less stuff for me to take care of. Mm-hmm. Um everything that we own requires something from us. It requires even, you know, just dusting, maintaining, uh, charging, you know, like all of the things that we own, they require some kind of, yeah, yeah, they require some kind of attention, maintenance from us. Um, You know, and that's in addition to like the space that we are paying for, like whether you're renting or owning, you've paid Mm -hmm. for the real estate of the space. So then you're talking about, well, now you're having to invest money or it's taking some kind of value from the space that you're living in. Um, Mm. And so when you have less stuff, you have more freedom from all of these attachments and obligations. You know, a person who has a few fewer things in their home, like a really minimalist space without a whole lot of things to take care of, they're going to more easily be able to pack a bag and fly across the country on a trip, you know, than somebody who has so much stuff that's going to need to be set up and taken care of and, you know, all of these different things. Mm -hmm. So you also have more freedom when it comes to things like your time and your energy, because an American time use study shows that we spend an average in America of two to four hours per day and tending to our environments. Tending to and I know our a lot of people, yeah, tending to our environments, like cleaning up, tidying up, doing dishes, uh-huh. doing, you know, like just uh, managing our spaces, essentially, uh-huh. on average. And I would say like, there are some people who are like stay at home moms, who probably spend way more than that, like, oh, maybe yeah. six hours. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like 12 hours a day or something like a full-time job. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so, you know, even if you took the the bottom of that at just two hours per day, well, that's 60 hours a month. That's vacation time, right? So, Mm -hmm. you know, having the freedom of just not having to invest so much of your time in just these cycles of playing keep up and decluttering and all Mm -hmm. the things. Mm Mm-hmm. That's so interesting. Uh, You're so right on that. Um, And I love, I want to touch on, um, I think, a really powerful point uh, that you tied, like, freedom to that attachment to things, Um, whether it's things, I I mean, the clutter, I think it's around more things. And depending on, like, some people, we tend to attach, you know, tell me if you agree or disagree, but have attachment to maybe certain things for sentimental reasons, right? Or there is a re actually like personally, um, I remember like holding on to, oh my God, it's a little personal for the longest time, longest time, like size zero pants, because one day I thought they're going to fit back into my size zero and they were fabulous, like red satin pants too. But Mia, at one point, like 
I don't know, more than five years later, I realized I'm not going to get back to size zero. Like, do I really, like, what's more important? Like, why am I so fixated on like trying to get back to size zero? It wasn't taking up too much space, but I have this, I think, unhealthy attachment to these pair of pants. (laughs) So, and to the freedom thing, I actually unintentionally, you know, talking about intention, but unintentionally, but afterwards I realized I, the freedom you spoke of was so freaking powerful. I, this was when I was leaving everything behind in New York to pursue my 20 year dream of living in London. And I sold everything in my studio apartment. So I actually didn't have, I actually considered myself pretty minimalist, but I wouldn't say probably an extreme minimal list. But anyway, so I didn't have a ton of stuff, but I still had a lot of stuff to uh, get rid of because I was moving across the country. I didn't want to move with my furniture. I wasn't attached to my furniture. If anything, I was more attached to probably my clothes. But what was so liberating, Mia, is when I sold everything and gave away probably 50% of my wardrobe. And I stood outside of my high-rise building in New York, and I realized I was moving across the world with three suitcases. I'm like, this is all I need. This is all I need. And not only was it just liberating in the sense that, oh, I don't have to deal with all this other fern- like stuff, but... It really had a profound shift in my mind that, wow, I really don't need a lot of stuff. That is so true. We all, we just collect, you know, we're like collectors. And over time, the longer you live in one spot, the more stuff that you collect. But we don't really need as much as we think we need. Mm-hmm. But how can, so this actually, wait, so I'll get to that in a second um, because I, we want to hear about your third um, powerful benefits of minimalism. Yeah. So the third one is something that I started noticing um, as I was working with students, people going through like my program and going through the process of getting out their clutter. And that is growth. It's not huh. something that I think a lot of people really associate that, uh, you know, with clearing out your space or decluttering, but really you can't grow and develop if everything is already taking up the physical space, right? Um, I've had people who declutter their office and didn't have any vision necessarily for what they wanted to do with it. They just wanted to get the clutter out. But as soon as it got out, they started writing a book, you know, or working on a business that they had been wanting to work on. But it's like having creating the space allows you to create new ideas and new inspiration that maybe you hadn't even considered before. And Mm. so it's, I think it's interesting because I have, I would have never thought this, but I have seen that play out time and time again, that when people create space, new things that, you know, just start to emerge from that space that they create. That's so interesting. But why do you think so? Is it because then you're, you're losing, you're, you're using less of your mind and energy fixating on the clutter so that now you have more energy and your, your, your mind to actually free up the space and think about your creative, you know, endeavors or other ideas for growth. Is it that? What it- I think so. I mean, I think that just on a more mental note, I guess, mm-hmm. clutter is very distracting. And so when you walk into 
probably the most obvious is going to be like when you walk into an office Mm -hmm. and there's just tons of clutter and stacks and piles of paper. When you walk into that space, you're immediately focusing on the stuff. Exactly. Oh, I need to clean this stuff up or, oh, I still need to go through all of these papers or where am I going to put, you know, like all your mind is is immediately drawn to that. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden when you walk into that same space and it's clear and it's open, it's like a blank slate. It's like a possibility, you know? So then you start thinking, well, what do I want to create in this space? What, you know, what do I want to do with it now that I can actually do something? Um, And, you know, like in the dining room, for example, people automatically I've seen happen over and over again. This used to happen when I was a kid too. You'll come in, you'll all the kids will put their backpacks on the dining table. You know, everybody oh just God, empties yeah. their uh-huh. pockets on the dining table, right? Uh, a lot of times the dining table is right by the front door. So it's an easy dumping ground. Dumping ground. And there are so many people who just don't actually use their dining table for eating. We do here. It's wow. something that's like one of my my rules is Secret, we have yeah. to use the dining table to eat at. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but when you have so much clutter and so much stuff on the space, well, now you're not able to grow and develop the relationships with your family because you're not able to all eat together at the dining table, you know? like mm-hmm. So there are just so many different instances, I feel like, where creating space allows for better things to come and fill that space. I love it. And I love how you put it that like you can then also see it as a blank slate, this possibility, you know, what can I do now? Um, and it's so funny that you made, uh, you referenced that example of, uh, like a dining table as a dumping ground for something. Cause I can relate, but wouldn't you say then like when we get into this habit of, you know, using a dining table or whatever it may be as just like a dumping ground for something. So then you associate actually a dining table as a dumping ground for my miscellaneous stuff, as opposed to what it's supposed to be really used for. And I think that's the crazy thing with our minds is like, the more you see it a certain way, you're going to now associate that thing with what you've been using it for. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, our minds like to work in categories and patterns, right? So Uh you quickly learn like this is where this category goes. I come in, backpacks go here. And then the more you do that, the more difficult it is to untrain that and create new habits Mm -hmm. because, um, you know, and also clutter, uh, clutter begets clutter, right? So if you see Uh other people putting all of their stuff in one space, then Again, our minds like to work in categories and patterns. So that's where stuff goes. Obviously, you're, you just automatically follow through with emotions. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Awesome. That's so interesting. And you're right. Our mind works in categories and clutter. Uh, I mean, clutter, category and pattern. Um, uh, okay. So these three powerful benefits were really interesting. And I loved your you know, description of why. If then like somebody today wants to implement some principles and practices of minimalist living or or practices. And as you said, it can be very, it should be, and it is very personal, right? Where can they start? Because I feel like, and this topic actually was highly requested by some of our listeners. And because they had um, this desire, I want to be not a minimalist, but I want to know how to deal with my stuff. I just feel like I have too much stuff. And I feel like that first step of either decluttering or organizing or something is is very daunting. Which wouldn't you say, like, where do I start, Mia? <laughs> is it is it the mindset first, understanding why you have this clutter or why you're attached to something? Like I have to 
get real with myself, like, why the hell am I attached to these stupid zero satin pants? Um, versus, or is it, you know, targeting a specific room in the house and uh, getting real with yourself about your intention? And then, yeah. So where, where would you say is the most important step of taking when you want to implement a practice of minimalism? I think that the first step in making any kind of change is always going to be in the mind. I'm a firm believer in starting with the roots, right? Pull it up by the roots. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you're constantly just trimming the leaves, right? It's just like mm-hmm. an ongoing, forever going thing. And that's what a lot of people do is they end up try, they have good intentions. And so they try to declutter, but they end up decluttering in cycles. And that burns wow. so much energy and it takes so much time that eventually they just give up, right? Like this mm-hmm. is too much. You're just decluttering in cycles. And really, if you think about it, your environment comes from your mind first. Like everything that's in your environment started with a thought. So you have like your mind, right? Mm -hmm. A thought that leads to an emotion or a feeling, and that Mm -hmm. leads to an action or a behavior. And then those actions and behaviors, which is also where our habits and our routines and all of those things live, then results in your environment. So it always kind of goes along the same train, right? So if you don't Mm -hmm. start at the beginning, (laughs) then you're just going to be constantly nipping at the tail. Yeah, yeah, no, that's really powerful. And so, so true, right? And everything. And back to why you, you know, described again, what you believe is a definition of um, minimalism, that intentional awareness. So understanding, again, what that intention is, your thought, your, your emotion, maybe again, that's attachment. Like for me, that was my learning. And then putting those action steps of whether it's starting to declutter, minimize, etc. Um, I like how you broke it down there. Actually, and this is a great segue because you said something very interesting too. If you don't start at the mind or the roots, that was really cool way you put it. It can lead to decluttering in cycles. So on that note, maintaining. So you help to explain how we can get started and without feeling like it's an overwhelming, daunting task, start with the mind, why? But I think then maintaining that space that um, so that you don't maybe revert back to maybe hoarding, I don't want to say hoarding, but like, you know, back to the, your old habits of creating more of this cluttered environment and then back to how that makes you feel. So then how do you maintain that environment, your haven, so that it becomes and, and stays your intentional, beautiful space that looks and feels good and without having to fall back into these patterns? Yeah, I call that, you know, the maintenance step. And it's kind of like the structure of holding all of your progress together. So if you create a beautiful space for yourself, you get all of the clutter out and you have all of these intentional, you know, gorgeous spaces, but you haven't, uh, you haven't approached the things that caused it to begin with, which is a lot of our habits, our routines, things like that. Mm -hmm. Well, it's just going to come right back right? You haven't really permanently changed anything. And so Mm -hmm. for me, that's kind of what the maintenance mode is about. It's about making sure that you have supportive habits and routines and systems that Mm. are going to support all the changes that you've made. It's not just a one and done type of situation, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just like if you want, if you have the intentions to have a healthier lifestyle in terms of your diet or fitness, that's your intention for, you know, a healthy lifestyle. You want to live longer, but 
it's not one and done. You say, right, you have to continue to go to the gym or your maintain your fitness routine and your eating habits or you're going to go back to where you were started. So good point. And then lastly, around personal uh, aspect of it. So I feel like some people may have this misconception, as I kind of noted or alluded to earlier on that they have an extreme image of minimalism. So to your point, you know, having the intention is very personal. Can someone, you know, just start anywhere, like you said, whether it's your energy or your home with exactly what you started off and still kind of feel like, you know, they're living a certain minimalistic lifestyle or does it doesn't have to be think of it that way? Like, Yeah, minimalism definitely has a negative connotation for a lot of people. Uh, and I think that, yeah, and there's a reason for that. And it's because there are so many people who practice it to the extreme. There are people uh. who want to live out of a backpack and want to be nomads that travel the world. And, uh -huh. you know, but not everybody does. That doesn't fit for everybody. Yeah. Uh, not everybody wants to live in an RV. You know, not everybody yeah, wants no, to live no, in a no. tiny <laughs> house, right? Like there, we all have different levels of what's going to uh, support us as an uh -huh. individual. Uh -huh. And so because of that negative connotation, I started kind of moving away from the word minimalism and more um, toward holistic clutter-free spaces. So like now everything that I talk about is holistic clutter-free spaces because uh -huh. minimalism just means so many different things to so many people uh -huh. on the spectrum. Uh -huh. But essentially, as long as you have the things that you need, and as long as you don't, you know, aren't drowning in clutter and you have a clutter-free space, mm -hmm. whether you call it minimalism or what you know, what you call it doesn't really matter, right? Mm -hmm. It's the the benefits that you're you're going for. And so the level of enough having the right balance of stuff for each person, it might be a little bit different. And that requires a lot of experimenting and trial and error, you know, just like with mm -hmm. anything else. Um, but there is no one size fits all. It's not like, oh, well, I can't have art on my walls and I can't, you know, and I went mm -hmm. through that process. I went through that okay. phase when I was first getting started with practicing minimalism that, you know, at one point I got rid of my furniture. And I replaced it with just a couple of bean bags, and oh. it was not pretty. You know, it was not. <laughs> I hate, I cringe looking at those pictures, and I see a lot of people kind of going through that um, those stumbling blocks. I guess yeah, when they start yeah. practicing, they think that it needs to be an all or nothing. That less is always more because mm -hmm. we say less is more, mm -hmm. and I say less is more except for when it's not. <laughs> if you're having a space, a space that's no longer supportive to you, that yeah. you're no longer able to function in because it's not giving you the things that you need in order to function in your daily life, mm -hmm. then, you know, less isn't, is no longer more. Yeah. I love how you put that. Thank you so much for, you know, kind of debunking that, you know, uh, myth kind of perception, because I do uh, agree and think that, that might kind of sway away like some people that, oh no, it's so extreme. I don't want to live out of a, a backpack in a, at a caravan or et cetera. But I like how you said, just pinpoint it down to the benefits you're looking for. Like again, back to the intentional point of it. And then anyone at whatever personalized level can get the holistic, holistic benefit um, in your lifestyle. So thank you for that reminder. I think um, hopefully that means that anyone 
can practice the principle in any aspect of your life. And you can hold on to things you want to if you do. On that note, thank you so much for really kind of very clearly helping us to understand what it is that anyone can practice it and what are the true kind of powerful really benefits that anyone can get out of it. And then, uh, yeah, how to start practicing it if you want to. If you can, this is one question, actually, Mia, I like to ask all of my guests, and it doesn't have to be on this specific topic, but it's the reason why PS Younger Self is called PS Younger Self. But if you can go back to your younger self, Mia, at any age and her age, and just pass on one piece of wisdom to remind her to live fully in the present, potentially, and on her terms, is there anything you like to pass on? Yeah, I would definitely say that status and stuff does not equal happiness and worth. Like that. Definitely learned that in my own experience. Awesome. So on that note, um, because I know people will want to hear more from you and some of the principles. I know you have courses, a really great YouTube channel as a resource and even a podcast. So please tell us where people can connect with you and find you. Yeah, the easiest place is probably my blog, miadanielle.com. I also have a workshop that's free and it shares really all of the pieces of my holistic system. We touched on some of those today. So if anybody's interested in checking that out, they can go to miadanielle.com forward slash masterclass. Amazing. Thank you for that resource. And thank you also for sharing this time with me and our listeners. Um, it was very uh, enlightening. And I, I know that our people have learned a lot from you. So thank you again. Awesome. Thank you for having me. And thank you everyone for tuning in to another episode of PS Younger Self. It really means a lot to me that you're spending your time with me. So if you like this episode, please be sure to subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or just about anywhere you listen to your podcast. Leave me a review. Tell me what you think. It really helps me get more valuable content to you guys. So until next time, take care and remember to always live your life on your own terms.